0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, July the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 3.47 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I have a very important question. I'm going to give you just a second to stop doing what you're doing, to to remove any distraction right now, right? Just whatever you need to do. I'm just going to give you just about 15, 20 seconds to remove any distraction because I think this is a very, very important question, especially, well, for today, right? It's July the 2nd. It's 4th of July weekend here in the United States of America. And we're going to talk about something that I think is very much connected and I hope that this will be very beneficial. So I want to give you uh, some time. Are you ready? Are you sure? I hope you're ready. You, you've removed all the distractions, right? Okay, you've told everyone in your house, be quiet. And, every, and everyone was like, yes, mother. Yes, father. Yes, we, we're, we're going to listen. Okay, here we go. Even if they don't listen, just find a pair of headphones or whatever you need to do. All right, are you ready? Here we go. I want you to really, 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 really think about this, All right? You've got to be honest with yourself. When it comes to yourself, I'm not not asking this about anyone you know, not asking about anyone else in your home, in your family, in your church. I'm asking this about you. You as an individual, if you were to be honest, what influences your way of thinking more? The concepts of freedom and personal rights or responsibility and sacrifice? Which concepts, which ideas influence the way you think more? The idea of freedom and personal rights? Or do you think more in terms of responsibility and sacrifice? I want you to really think about that. Which concepts influence the way you think more? Freedom. Freedom. I have freedom. I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to do this. Rights. No, I have the right to do this. No one can tell me, does freedom and personal rights influence the way you think? Or do you think more in terms of, what is my responsibility? What is my responsibility here? Wait, I'm willing to sacrifice this and this and this. I'm willing to sacrifice. Which concepts Have the greatest influence on your life, on your way of thinking, dare I say, on your worldview. I really, 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 really want you to think about it. In fact, what I almost want to do is just ask that question and say, okay, that concludes this live broadcast. You contact me with your answer. And just see, I don't know how many people would answer, and I don't know how many people would be honest. I think a lot of people would say, well, no, responsibility and sacrifice, that influences my thinking far more than anything else. But when you see people, when you really listen to what people say and what they do, you'll see that freedom and personal rights far influences their thinking more than the other concepts. Now, I asked this question because here in the United States of America I know we have people who listen to us for all around the world but here in the United States of America we are a, we're about to celebrate Independence Day. We're about to celebrate our freedom, our rights. And we're going to do so by you know, baseball, food, fireworks, whatever people are doing but it's it's about our independence. Americans love, and in certain parts of the country, maybe more so than others, really love that idea of independence, freedom, personal rights. Now, if we were to look up the word independence, we would see this, the quality or state of being independent. The quality or state of being independent. Oh, well, that doesn't really help us very much. So let's click on the word independent. Now, if we look up the word independent, now listen. Definition of independent, not dependent, such as. Are you ready? Here we go. Not subject to control by others. Not subject to control by others. How much does that influence your way of thinking? This idea of independence, no not being subject to the control of others. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. do does that, does that way of thinking influence you far more than the idea of responsibility and sacrifice? Not subject to control by others. It goes on to say self-governing. Self-governing. Um, not affiliated with a larger controlling unit. Not requiring or relying on something else. Not looking to others for one's opinions or for guidance and conduct. This idea of independence, you're not, you're not controlled by anybody else. You're not looking to anybody else. You want freedom. You want autonomy. You don't want to be controlled. How much does that influence your way of thinking? Now, here in the United States of America, we're going to be celebrating our independence, our freedom as a nation. Because we didn't want to be controlled. We didn't want to be told what to do by others. We didn't like their control, so we declared our own independence. So this is very much built into kind of the American perspective, but this is important. Do you think the focus the the focus the desire the really um the, the 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 really pushing that concept really uh making that concept of great importance really spending a lot of time pointing to that concept do you think it's possible, not, 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 uh, now don't think of this as a citizen of the United States of America, I want you to think th- of this as a Christian. Do you think that emphasis on independence, on freedom, on personal rights, do you think that that pushing that I- idea, that emphasis, that emphasizing those concepts here in the United States of America, do you think it has negatively influenced the way Christians think, so that we no longer think biblically, but we think as someone more influenced by the concept of freedom and personal rights versus the concept of responsibility and sacrifice. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Bible emphasizes freedom and personal rights or do you think the Bible emphasizes responsibility and sacrifice? And if you acknowledge that the Bible doesn't emphasize freedom and personal rights, it emphasizes responsibility and sacrifice, then you have to ask yourself why we as Christians, especially here in the United States of America, in many cases think more like, can we say it, influenced by an American ideology than we are a kingdom of God ideology, Now, a lot of people are going to get very nervous with me here and try to push back. Just just remember, my focus here is theology central. My focus here is the Bible. I'm not here to be pro-America, wave an American flag and go, That's we should emphasize freedom and personal rights. No, my job is to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it possible that that emphasis has had a negative influence on our spiritual growth and on the spiritual state of the church? Has the church become so preoccupied with freedom and personal rights that it's forgotten responsibility and sacrifice? I know what you're saying. You're you're spending way too much time emphasizing this. I am, but I'm doing it on purpose because I really want you to think about this. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about this. And here is... How this all came about. Now if you've never listened to me before, the first time you've ever listened to me, you you should know we have a, a Bible we how me state this we have a series, a podcast series called Bible Study Exercise. And in these Bible study exercises, we have curriculum and there's, I'm not going to review everything we do in the Bible study exercise, but you can go listen to the series. It's almost 300 episodes. We're currently working on the doctrine of pneumatology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and you can go listen. It's done in a way where I do some teaching, but then I do a lot of like, hey, what about this? And I try to get you involved. There's homework, there's there's all kinds of things. But if you want to be a part of it, you can listen to it. And for this particular week, Because it's 4th of July in the United States of America, the curriculum decided to stop the study of the Holy Spirit and give us a special focus study. And the special focus study is called Interdependent Independence, Interdependent Independence. So I told everyone, hey, you can just skip it, focus on the Holy Spirit, focus on the Holy Spirit. But because, well, I, I, I needed something to do this afternoon for kind of my afternoon devotional time, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go grab the curriculum and I'm just going to work through whatever they have there for me. Whether I agree, because I figured it was going to be something like 4th of July, you know, America is great. I, I, I just kind of had my suspicions of where it may be going. But I'm like, you know what, whatever is there, I'm just going to study it. So I grabbed it and I saw this interdependent independence. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, okay. And then when I started reading it, I all of a sudden I started thinking, oh, there. Let's talk about this: the difference between kind of this ideology where the emphasis is on freedom and personal rights versus an ideology or or, or a different perspective that emphasizes. Uh, responsibility, and sacrifice. So I started thinking about this, and I'm like, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll run upstairs, grab all of the podcast equipment, go live, and if anyone—I don't know what anyone's doing on this Saturday afternoon—if anyone's around, maybe this will just provide, hopefully, a a biblical challenge to think about this holiday more from a biblical perspective versus an American perspective. I know— this comes a shock to many Christians. I know this comes as a shock to many Christians. But most of the time, an American perspective is not necessarily a biblical perspective. I know. I just heard an audible gas. <gasps> someone probably was just walking by a swimming pool and heard that and just fell in. Probably someone just walked in the middle of traffic. They're like, they can't believe what they're hearing. Someone just probably stood up on a city bus and just smashed their phone into a million pieces. But I know it's a shock. But I'm going to say it again many times, many, 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 many times, an American perspective is not consistent with a biblical one. It's not. In fact, in some cases, I believe many American Christians have turned America, the flag, and certain political parties almost into an idol. There's that's I, I I call it patriotic idolatry, which is very I think prevalent, and you're going to see a lot of it tomorrow in many American churches. You're going to see full blown idolatry right before your very eyes, and it's going to be insane. And, and Christians will be celebrating it, clapping it, and saying, "Oh, wasn't that wonderful?" And it's going to be happening in a church, and it's just amazing. You bring in certain things into the church. Everybody's like, "That doesn't belong in worship. That's ungodly. That's an idol. How dare you? You're corrupting the worship of the one true God." But come July 4th weekend, it doesn't matter. I need to, what I need to do is get in my car, and I need to I need to go right down to the end of the street for my housing development, take a right, go drive maybe, I don't know, half a mile and then on the left-hand side, there's this big church, and there are American flags everywhere. There's American flags all—when It's when you pull into the church parking lot, it's a long road, a little winding road, or, or a long driveway, I should say, um, to the actual church parking lot. And it's all along both sides of their little driveway. It's just— American flags, American flags, American flags. I don't know how many American flags. You You would not even know you're going to a church. You would think you're going to some, I don't know. Well, something that's clearly pro-American. It's more, in other words, they are demonstrating America more than they're demonstrating Christ and him crucified. And that's what's going to happen. So I thought, you know what? Let's challenge this idea of the emphasis being on freedom, personal rights, independence, and let's, Challenge that from a biblical perspective. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to utilize a little bit of the curriculum. I'm going to read some, offer my own perspective, and just kind of walk through it to see what they say, because then you'll get maybe their perspective, my perspective. You'll get two perspectives, so that benefits you. One, I was going to do this anyway for my own personal devotional time. So I just get to accomplish a lot of things. So I don't know if anyone's listening, but if you are, I hope you're ready, all right? Because I'm ready. Here we go. This is how they start. I'm thankful for our rights as Americans. All right, now that's what... So many people are going to be saying, come Sunday, I'm thankful for our rights. I'm thankful for our rights. Thank you, God, for the rights we have as Americans. Thank you for those rights. And there's going to be a lot of emphasis on our rights, our freedoms, our rights, our freedoms. We talk a lot about that in the church. I will argue, if you especially listen to how the church talked during the pandemic, and I know I'm about to cause, I'm about to make a lot of people mad, But what I kept hearing from churches during the pandemic was a constant emphasis on our rights, our freedoms, what we have to do. No one can tell us what to do. We have freedom. We have rights. I kept hearing more of a discussion about our freedom and rights and less about our responsibility and maybe what sacrifices would be considered and would be right in the face of what was going on. It was more an emphasis, our rights, our freedoms. Not anybody else's rights, anybody else's freedoms, not about our responsibilities and not about sacrifice. And I kept hearing that. I kept hearing the emphasis. And when you hear something becoming emphasized over and over and over, you have to ask yourself is that a biblical emphasis or is that an ideological emphasis? Is that an emphasis that's more built into the DNA of America versus built into what should be the DNA of a Christian? Here we go. I'm thankful for our rights as Americans. I'm even more thankful for the rights we've been given in Christ. For example, we have the right not to be held to the convictions or preferences of others. But there are times we must set aside those rights. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, the, the the curriculum here wants us to start thinking about setting aside certain rights, setting aside certain freedoms. That's not a popular idea here in the United States of America, and I don't think it's a popular idea anymore in the American church. Wait, set aside a right? Set aside a freedom for other people? Are you crazy? Are you some liberal? Are you what are you some woke progressive? What are you? No, we're going to stand. We're going to fight. Let's see where they go with this. Are they going to go into a wrong direction? That's right. There are times we must set aside our rights. There are times we must set aside our rights. That's their claim, that there are times we must do so. Now, you may immediately push back and go, nope, disagree, disagree. Just let's see how this plays out, all right? Do you ever find yourself in a place where you know what what you are supposed to do, but don't know the why behind it all? I find myself in that place a good bit but I'm thankful the Bible is the source of wisdom and clarity. When it comes to understanding rights and responsibility, 1 Corinthians 10 leads us to see the why. Rights and responsibilities. Rights, and again, which one has the greatest influence on you? Freedom and personal rights our responsibility and sacrifice which one which one drives you really has the greatest influence on your thinking so if you have a bible open it up to 1st corinthians chapter 10 1st corinthians chapter 10 we're going to look at the passage in just a minute but i got to read this last sentence as we step into this study we'll see that love dictates that we often set aside that right and freedom for the sake of others. In so doing, we can encourage others and honor Christ. We're going to come back to that statement in in a minute. We'll circle back around. I'll just read it one more time. In this study, we're going to see that love, please note the word love, dictates that we often set aside the right and freedom for the sake of others. In so doing, we can encourage others and honor Christ. So that what they emphasize, so there's these there's these two con Okay, let's go through these again. You have the concepts of freedom and personal rights, and you have the concepts of responsibility and sacrifice. Now the question is, do you love freedom and personal rights more than you love others in light of responsibility and that which would lead to a focus on responsibility and sacrifice. Do you love your freedom and your rights more than you love others? Now, anytime this was mentioned during the pandemic, oh, it created a firestorm of controversy and everyone would get upset. But I, but whenever people would get upset, I'm like, I don't understand why you're getting upset. These are biblical considerations that have to be talked about. So let me ask you again, do you love others more than you love your freedom and your personal rights? What freedom... What personal rights would you sacrifice because your love for others is greater than your love for your freedom and personal rights? All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going to go. We're going to read verses 23 to 33, all right? 1 Corinthians 10, I'm going to just read it in the Bible I have right here next to me. I've got multiple Bibles. This is the one that's closest, so this is the one I'm going to read. All right. First Corinthians chapter 10, we'll start in verse 23. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of other, of the other person. Eat everything that is sold in the meat market without raising questions for the sake of conscience, since the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. If any of the unbelievers invite you over and you want to go, eat everything that is set before you without raising questions for the sake of conscience. But if someone says to you, this is food from a sacrifice, do not eat it out of consideration, for the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another person's conscience? If I partake with Thanksgiving, why am I criticized? Because of something for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jew or Greek or the church of God. Just as I also try to please everyone and everything, not seeking my own benefit. Wow. There's a lot to impact from all of this. Now I'm going to read it Hang on. from this Bible. I'm going to read it from this Bible. First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll go to verse 23. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Here we go. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it or shoot it. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, But of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if by grace, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Now, this really begins to emphasize not freedom. This does not begin to emphasize personal rights. This begins to emphasize responsibility and sacrificing your freedom and your right for someone else's good. And that goes against everything in our nature, first our sinful nature, and it definitely goes against kind of the spirit that is very much deep inside many Americans. Many Americans, it's about freedom. It's about personal right. You get over it. I don't care about what it does to you. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you don't like it. I have the freedom. I have the right. And so I'm going to do it. And that way of thinking has very much influenced many Christians in certain parts of the country where that's the emphasis. Not this, okay? I have a response. My responsibility is to other people, not myself. I have, in many cases, have to sacrifice my freedom and my rights for someone else. Let's see what the curriculum has to say at this point. They start off with an illustration. I have a confession. The other day, I was driving and I received a text. I know you should not text and drive, but for at that moment, I gave in to the pull of the notification and clicked on the text. Yes, I was still driving, and I swerved into another lane. I didn't hit the other car, but I almost did. If I had hit their car, it would have caused serious, perhaps even deadly consequences for both of us. The way we live can significantly impact those around us. What if we could live our lives in such a way that we, let me read this carefully, what if we could live our lives in such a way that we couldn't merge into other lanes, causing issues for those around us? What if we lived in such a way that we always stayed in our lane, and in doing so, we allowed those around us to reach their destination without our interference? The Apostle Paul spoke of how we can live in this way. This is indeed a better way to live, and it will lead us to support others and honor Christ. Okay, they kind of went a little bit different direction there. I thought they were going to be like, see, I may maybe in your state, you have the freedom and the right to pick up your phone. Some states, maybe they give you complete right. You can use your phone. We don't care. Other states would say you're not, but let's say you have the freedom to do so. You may have the freedom to pick up your phone and look at it, but... You're not thinking about anybody else. You're only thinking about yourself. So sometimes it's better to give up your freedom and your right because you have a responsibility to other people. And sometimes you have to sacrifice your freedom and right for the safety of someone else. That's the direction I thought they were going to go. They're saying that, that what if we could live in such a way that we never have to worry about going in someone else's lane? Okay, so they're kind of approaching it a little different way. Let's see how they handle the text, right? First, they quote 1 Corinthians ten twenty three through 30, uh, 23 through 24. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24. Let's read it one more time. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now that's going to become a, a, a key here. Let no man seek his own, but every but every man another's wealth. Don't just, this is a key principle here before we even get further. You have to live your life where you're not seeking your own. You're seeking the good. You're seeking the benefit of other people. Well, whose benefit do you seek more? Yours or others? What are you more concerned about? Your benefit or the benefit of others? Honestly, what, 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 what drives you in your way of thinking? Other people or yourself. Come on, just just be honest. What drives your way of thinking? You or others? I, I I'm just gonna as a someone who's a, a, a part of a small church. People missing church has a profound impact on everyone else. It does and and the average church member never even gives this much thought or consideration right they, they they're like hey it's sunday night i got this to do i'm not going back well when you're in a super small church that can have a a profound impact because well now you know, how many people do we even have showing up what do we do how do we handle this and super and super small churches Someone's just lack of attendance can have profound impact on everyone else. But when people don't show up, they don't care about how it impacts anybody else. All they care about is themselves. They're not like, what should I do on a Sunday night to benefit other people? They're like, what should I do this Sunday night to benefit me? I want rest. I want to do that. And they don't worry about anybody else. That's just one example. But there's I could give millions of examples. We have, we've got to stop seeking our own and we've got to look out and seek other people's benefit. Let's see what they have to say. As Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he used language they were familiar with. All things are lawful was something the people would have heard on the street of Corinth. It was a part of the Corinthian way. Corinth was set in Greece and was an important port city. It was a gateway for many people's many people, many different viewpoints and sinful activities. As a gateway and an, entry, an entryway for uh, for many sins, everything was accessible for this city. The attitude of the people then was that they could do anything because anything was available. All things are lawful would have been kind of the uh, a motto in Corinth. I, I can do whatever I want. I can do anything. I'll do what I want. I'll I'll do anything I want. That that look. That's I don't know about you. That's the motto that's deep inside of me, and that's the motto that's deep inside of you. It's the very essence of our sinful nature. Remember how I always define sin. Sin is the exaltation of the eye. Sin is the exaltation of the individual. It's the of your wants, your will, your rights. It, that's where your focus is always selfishness. It's always on the self. Who cares how it impacts anybody else? You don't care at that moment. So th- using that all things are lawful for me, in a sense, Paul was using the language of the people. <coughs> I'm, I apologize. All right, I apologize there. Wasn't expecting to get ready to cough when I got ready to talk, all right? Here we go. Paul acknowledged that, yes, they had access to everything, but not everything would help them live life. It's true for us too. Some of the things that are accessible to us are not going to bring us life. Rather, they will lead to bondage instead of freedom. Now, that's still turning it back about us, right? Hey, hey, don't do that because it could hurt you. This still makes it about us. I think the emphasis here is it doesn't matter how, it's not about me, it's about them. It's about someone else. It's not about the I, all right? It's not about the I, it's about the others, Sin is about you. See sin at the mo- sin comes to you and sin says and it doesn't say these exact words, but this is how this is how the mentality that comes over us. Sin says, there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no others. You are all that, that is all that exists. Here's what you want, here's what you need. You go get it. Oh, come on, come on. You have to admit that that's what sin does. Sin comes to you. There's no God. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no devil. There's no other people. It's just you and your desire, your want. Go get it. Go get it. You deserve it. They they kind of put the emphasis here on on us that, hey, yes, there's no question. There's lots of things available to us that will ultimately hurt us. There's no questions there, there. All right. All things are. See here. Um, some of the things that are accessible to us are not are not going to bring us life. Rather, they will lead to bondage instead of freedom. All things are not expedient or edifying. For example, I can choose to drink sugary soft drinks with every meal. In fact, I can drink them whenever I want. Yet, if the, if this is the pattern in which I live, it will not enable me to live a full, healthy life. I will gain weight, have heart issues, and experience other negative effects to to my health. Soft drinks are allowed. They are permissible, but they're not in my best interest. They are not beneficial. Okay, again, this is still placing it on us. The emphasis of the passage is placing it that you've got to focus on what it does to others, not what it does to you. They're 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 still, in a roundabout way, inadvertently, they're still bring they're still making this about us as an individual. And, and I know they're going to get to the other. It's just I find it kind of ironic that the whole passage starts off with "Let no man seek his own." but every man another's wealth. That's literally how this section basically starts. And their, their first illustrations here is, hey, you've got to realize how it could hurt you. Now, at this point in the chapter, the focus is on what it does to others, but okay. Let's take this illustration a step further. Let's say I invite you to my house. All I serve are non-diet soft drinks, but you happen to be Diabetic. I don't offer you water or something with no sugar. The soft drinks I've been drinking will impact you in a very negative way. I did not mean to harm you. I did not intend for your health to be affected, but it it does not change the fact that the way I live negatively impacts you. We need to do what is beneficial to others. Now they just got there. Now they got there. We have to do what is beneficial to others. And sometimes to do what is beneficial to others means we have to give up our freedom and our rights. We have to sacrifice. We must see first our responsibility to others and then sacrifice whatever right or freedom I have in order to best benefit other people. And the church doesn't like that in the United States of America. Hey, here's a situation. We need you to do this. Nope, you're not going to take away my freedoms. You're not going to take away my rights. How dare you? No, 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 no. We're we're just asking you that, hey, you can still do this, this, and that. Nope, we're not going to make any changes. We're not going to do anything because we have freedom. We have rights. I know we do, but what about the others? Well, we don't care about the others. We don't think it's a problem. We don't think it's an issue. Well, okay, wait, 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 You don't just to get to arbitrarily just make the decision that just because you don't think it matters that it doesn't matter. It doesn't work that way. We're, we, we have a responsibility to others. What is our responsibility to others? When Paul spoke to the believers in Corinth about not seeking their own, but every man's another wealth, he was saying, to use my illustration, sometimes you need to serve your brother water and not a soft drink. Humans are prone to think of themselves first and others second. Paul reminded the church that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the world. In God's kingdom, we think of others above ourselves. This is not a normal posture for us. We want to be first. We want our own way. Yet Paul called for us to humble ourselves and allow the focus to be on we, not me. That's, that's really good. We must see things through a new lens. It's as if we have been viewing the world with less than perfect vision. When we put on the glasses of the kingdom of God, our focus changes. Sometimes good is not simply saying no to sinful things. That certainly is important, but we also might need to say no to some good things in order to say yes to something better, helping our brother and sister in Christ. We set aside our rights, that which is permissible for the sake of others. This is a paradigm shift for sure. But when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we abandon our earthly standard for a new kingdom normal. Remember, to follow Christ. Let me state this again, to follow Christ. I'm just going to go to the passage. I'm going to mark 1 Corinthians 10. When we are called to follow Christ, the the, the path of a disciple of Christ is very specific. All right, right? if we're going to be followers of Christ, then we must be willing to do this. If see if I can find it here. All right. Um, okay. There, here we go. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The call of you, the call upon your life as a Christian is for you to live a life of self denial, a life of self death, and a life of no longer following self. You deny yourself, you die to yourself, and you stop following yourself. That is the call for the Christian life. It's not, no, 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 my rights, my rights, my, no, 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 you're dead. You deny self. It's not about your rights. You deny rights. It's not about grabbing onto your rights. You're dead to you. You die to yourself. It's not about following what you want. You don't follow yourself. That's the Christian mentality. It's not about us. It's not about the I. It's about the others. It's not about me. It's about the we. This is the biblical model, and it's so contrary we, we want our independence. We want our freedom. We want our rights. We got to stand for our freedom. We got to protect it. We got to fight it. We got to defend it. That's what I keep hearing in the church over and over our rights, our freedoms. Defend, 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 defend. Fight, 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 fight. And I'm not hearing, like, no, we're going to have a conference on, about how we can put, put the focus on other people and we can deny ourselves, die to ourselves, and stop following ourselves. I think the problem right now is there's so much of a self-independent mindset that we've forgotten responsibility and sacrifice. Let me read this again. We must see things... Through a new lens, it's as if we have been viewing the world with less than perfect vision. When we put on the glasses of the kingdom of God, our focus changes. Sometimes good is not simply saying no to sinful things. That certainly is important, but we also must need to say no to some good things in order to say yes to something better, helping our brother and sister in Christ. We set aside our rights, that which is permissible for the sake of others. This is a paradigm shift for sure, but when we surrender our lives to Christ, we abandon our earthly standard for a new kingdom normal. Then they have quote here, 1 Corinthians ten twenty five through 30. Let me read it. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for the sake that showed it. And for the conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but for the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if by grace... For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? And they say the key word here is sacrifice. This is what they have to say. This refers, this section here, refers to meat left over from an offering to an idol. It was eaten in a pagan temple or sold in the market. So they would offer up the meat to an idol. Obviously, the idol doesn't eat it. So then either the people would eat it or they would take the meat after it's gone through its religious ceremony, and they would take it over to the market and they would sell it. And this became a major issue in the church at Corinth because people were like, no, 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 you can't eat that meat. It was offered unto an idol. And other people were like, the idol is nothing. It doesn't do anything. It's perfectly, no, it's corrupted. No, it's not. It's corrupted. It's no, it's not. And this would cause division. And the biblical model put forth in Corinth is this: if you're getting ready to eat meat, and the, and your brother or sister are, is it going to offend them or cause them to stumble? You give up your right to eat. You give up your right to eat. Now Christians don't like that. Let me give you an example. Do your does your church do potlucks, fellowship mills? What if someone in your church is a vegan or a vegetarian and they are offended by the meat eating? Would everyone in your church give up and no longer have any meat or any animal or anything that comes from an animal, if it's a vegan, uh, and no longer have any of that at your potluck or, or, or church? I guarantee you, you should you try it at your church. Just say, hey, we, we have a situation here and we're no longer going to be able to off, offer any kind of food of any kind of food product that comes from an animal of any kind. Nothing related to an animal can be allowed anymore to the, in the church potluck. We, we, we can't do that. We, would everyone be like, okay, well, whatever we got to do because we don't want to uh, uh, unnecessarily offend someone. We don't want to hurt someone. You would get, I, I guarantee you, it would, you'd probably end up with a church split on your hands because people care more about themselves than anybody. They'd be like, it's ridiculous, and that's just stupid. And I'm not going to, and they probably would start calling them liberals and woke or whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give into that. How dare they? Wait, 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 wait. If eating meat causes someone to stumble or offends them, don't do it. Well, if you want to have your potluck at church, you got to be willing to work with everyone. So how, how does that work? We love biblical principles when they're left in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? Man, I love biblical principles when they're right here. I don't like biblical principles when they come off the page and they have to enter into my life. All of a sudden, then I'm like, eh, not so down with that biblical principle anymore. Let's just leave that in Corinth. Let's not bring that to wherever I live in 2022. Don't offend others unnecessarily. This sounds easy enough, but if we're not careful, we will offend others unintentionally and needlessly. Paul continued with this theme for putting others before himself, but now he did so with a very practical example, one the Corinthian believers would likely could likely experience. The Jews among the Corinthian believers were familiar with the restrictions the law placed on them regarding what they could or couldn't eat. However, because of the new uh, covenant in Christ, the restrictions no longer applied, and they were free to eat whatsoever is sold in the shambles. They were free to eat all food because the Lord made it all. This was a big deal, especially for those brought up in the Jewish tradition that separated clean food from unclean food. Paul now took this freedom and placed it in the context of a dinner invitation. If an unbeliever invited you to his home for dinner, it was all right to go and eat the food that was prepared. After all, it could be an opportunity for him to embrace your Savior and for you to have a positive impact on his life. Remember, though, that a person who does not know Jesus will behave as one who does not know Jesus. Paul brought this up to, uh, mentioning that uh, that the mill uh, that the mill a Corinthian unbeliever might serve may or may not include food that has been offered as a pagan sacrifice. In other words, hey, if an unbeliever calls you over, they 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 may have food offered unto an idol. They may have it there. They they may, and you may be one who you don't like that, and it it, it, it could bother you. The distinction was not always evident unless someone said something. This was not an issue. The believer had to chase. Just sit in the chair next to your friend and enjoy the meal. In other words, hey, if you're a believer and you're going to an unbeliever's house, just don't even ask the question. Just don't even go there. You just eat it. You just you don't worry about it. You just eat it. So in other words, you're you, almost you've got to kind of give up what you want to do and for the sake of someone else. Now this is not saying do something sinful. This is saying in this particular case, just don't raise the question because you're, you're, you're going to needlessly offend someone. All right? Um, however, if someone announced that the food was a part of a sacrifice, the scenario changed. Nothing was wrong with the food itself, but the believer should still abstain for the sake of the other person's conscience. Some might argue that the Christian could set the record straight by eating the meat anyway, proving it was just meat. However, by doing so, the Christian may be sending the message that idolatry is okay. So if all of a sudden someone says, hey, this meat is sacrificed unto uh you know or, or was offered to an idol then you may have to go okay okay i can't eat it because now you don't want to needlessly confuse or offend or give them the idea that uh idolatry is okay in other words these situations can become very complicated right whenever you're dealing when look whenever think of it this way whenever people come together right either in the context of a church in the context of a family and the context of friends and the context of a holiday celebration and the context of anything, things always get I- questionable. Things always get iffy. Like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, do I do this? Should I say this? Wait, they're going to be doing this. Do I participate in that? Do I not participate in that? What do I do here? What do I do there? And, and for every situation, there are a thousand questions. And what do I do? What do I do? Wait a minute. Okay, I got invited to this. Should I go to that? Wait, I'm going to be going a family reunion and they're going to be doing this. Do I participate? There's always a million questions and you have to constantly be asking yourself, okay, how do I conduct myself in a way that does not needlessly offend or cause some people to stumble? And each situation is delicate delicate, and each situation requires much thought And not just reacting, but thinking and making the best decision. And here's giving us a lot of different scenarios here. The Christian should be encouraging the other person that it's okay. uh, Let me me read this again. uh, All right. However, if someone announced that the food was a part of a sacrifice, the scenario changed. Nothing was wrong with the food itself, but the believer should still abstain from the sake of the other person's conscience. Some might argue that the Christian should set the record straight by eating the meat anyway, proving it was just meat. However, by doing so, the Christian might be sending the message that idolatry is okay. By eating, the Christian could be encouraging the other person that it's okay to engage in idolatry. Or the unbeliever, assuming Christians don't eat such meat, would view the believer as hypocritical, causing a barrier to the unbeliever coming to Christ. In other words, what you have to do in this situation is you can't just think about yourself and you can't just think about some philological point you want to make. You can't just think about some doctrinal point that you want to make. You got to think about, okay, unbelievers, what what's the best course of action here? What would be best for them? Now, sometimes you think, well, the best thing for them is to be told they're wrong. There's a time and place. What's the best course of action in this particular setting that Paul is referring to? So again, while all things are lawful, the believer is to abstain to avoiding misleading or offending the other person. We may need to set aside our freedoms to avoid being a stumbling block to someone else. We may have a right to eat, but we also have a responsibility to love and support the other person. Our actions can make or break the growth of a new believer or the progress of someone coming to Christ. If we're thinking about the other person before ourselves, our focus turns to how we can help them in his or her Christian walk. Choices are not always about good or evil, but what is best. The principle Paul outlined here provides a roadmap for navigating the journey. When we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, remembering what is best for our brothers or sisters, and being guided by the Holy Spirit, we will take steps according to that roadmap. When we won't, we won't offend unnecessarily, we will reflect the love of Christ. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. There, there's more here, but I'm going to stop here, all right? Now, if you want access to the curriculum where you can read the rest for yourself, just contact us, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Just say you want access to the curriculum. We send you a link. It's free, um, and uh, we are grateful for those who help support pay for the curriculum, but um, we, um, it is free. we don't charge you. So if you want access, just contact us here, all right? Now, there's much more I want to talk about here, but this is what I would say. Now, I understand there is the concept here, very much so. So whatever you uh, eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Absolutely, I do not in any way want to uh, ignore that, but I'm going to emphasize something different. Here's what I want to emphasize. In the context of freedom and personal rights, We must see those two things in the light of responsibility and sacrifice. And for the Christian, what's more important is not freedom and rights. What more important is your responsibility and your willingness to sacrifice your freedom and your rights for the benefit of others. So what must be the dominant way of thinking in the mind of Christian is love for others. Your love for others will be, make you willing or it should lead you to a willingness to give up a right or to give up a freedom for the benefit of someone else. And I want you to think about which freedoms and which rights you would not give. You don't want to give up. You just would, you honestly, it, you would have a problem with it. You would have a massive problem with it. A massive problem. It would bother you. It would tick you off. And you have to ask yourself why it would. Why would it make you so mad? Again, I I think if we were in a, a, a situation in a church where someone was offended by the eating of meat, um, most churches would not give up their right to eat meat. They would, they would just tell that person, I'm sorry, you're just going to get over it. They would tell them it, there's nothing wrong with eating meat. They would give them 15 biblical arguments and say, I'm sorry, you're wrong. You're just going to get over it and that does the biblical model would be and i'm not saying at some point you don't you may want to be able to try to express that to them but your first responsibility is to do nothing your first responsibility is their good for helping them i'm not saying there doesn't come a time where you do have that but your initial thinking must be what can i do to not unnecessarily offend this person and how can i help them and it's hard to think that way Because our first thought is to correct someone. Our first thought is to make them think the way we think, to give them the right way of thinking. And maybe sometimes our first way of thinking should be, wait a minute, what can I do here to just not unnecessarily offend? What can I sacrifice? What right can I set aside to help them spiritually? Doesn't mean that there isn't a time where it has to be discussed. I, I, there, there's so many examples of, of these very delicate situations we can find ourselves. We really can We really can't. Like, what do I do here? What, what do I do? What do I do? Let's see. Wait, do I do that? Can I participate in that? Should I go there? Should I do that? What should I do? What should I say? How should I act? Sometimes I think we, we have a greater desire of expressing our feelings, our desires, and our belief because we care more about that than maybe we do in loving someone. All I'm going to do is this. That that glorifying God. Oh, I come. That is such a, an important part of this. But I want us to just, I just want us to take this with us today. All right. It's what I want you to take with you. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. No one is to seek his own good. But the good of the other person, or as it's expressed in uh, the King James, let me go back to 1 Corinthians 10. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. What drives you? Do you seek your own or do you seek others do you even think about how your actions and what you do could impact anybody else you've got to become more others focused and other centered than self centered we've got to replace our self centeredness with other centeredness we've got to replace our focus on our rights and our freedom on the freedom our, our, on the other on the needs and responsibility for other people and that may require sacrifice and sometimes we don't like that we don't like that and I just think the church for the last few years have become so preoccupied with our rights and our freedoms that we don't care how it impacts anybody else. We don't care about what anybody else thinks. We don't care. And we just say, get over it, get over it. And we always, this is the, this is the dangerous thing about Christians. We are very quick to justify our focus on ourself. Like we, like, this is very important. We can disguise our self-centeredness our, our focus on our rights and our freedom, we can disguise that by claiming that what we're really focusing on is God's word, God's truth, and God's glory. But that can sometimes become nothing more than a sham of self righteousness where we think, hey, we're doing the right thing. Sometimes we can be, we can, and so trying to do the right thing, we actually are doing the wrong thing. The Pharisees were good at this. We care about God's law. We care about holiness. We care about righteousness. And they were self-seeking, self-serving jerks who will ultimately work to have the eternal son of God crucified. But they would have told you that they were on the side of the Bible. They were on the side of God's law. They were on the side of truth while they were trying to kill the eternal son of God, while they were trying to crucify, kill God himself, while claiming that they were standing for God. I wonder how many times, while we're claiming to stand for God, we are actually hurting and destroying other people. But we're doing it for God. We always think that we've got to say something and we've got to do something and we've got to we've got to we've got to abstain. And sometimes what we're doing is actually hurting people and not helping anyone. So then, is is it about you? About you? Wanting to be right? Like, what's it about? We have to ask and check our motives. But we've got to not seek our own, but others, the benefit to others. Freedom, personal rights are responsibility and sacrifice. I'll just leave it there. On this Saturday, July the 2nd, 2022, July the 4th weekend, here in the United States Of America. Uh, Tomorrow at church will be a lot of talk about independence, freedom, rights. Maybe this will help balance that out. You can contact me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I know that there's a lot of questions that I kind of just left hanging there, but. That's okay. I just wanted to throw this out there, and then we'll see what it turns into. Again, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. And if you would like uh, access to the curriculum so that you can just look at it all over again, read it, all you got to do is contact me. I think we still have spots open. And if we, if we, if we run out of spots but based off the email request, I'll up our subscription so that we can add more people. All right? So we'll, we'll do that. All right. Thank you. Um, contact us if you if you need anything or anything we can do for you. God bless.